What you been up to today? I went and took to lunch, but I bought some seeds. You can't see this, but anyway, so. What kind of seeds are they? Oh, is it like pumpkin? This squash called the squash winter pink banana squash. There's a lot going There's on. There's a that lot. Name. And it's like, you can see it's a pink squash. Can you see that? It's pink. So. Yeah. It's... First of all, you had me at squash banana pink, right? I was like, of course. <laughs> so I also last week said, I'm going to not, I'm going to do better about what things I get to put in the garden. And I'm going to be better about kind of planning it out and figuring out what I want to plant. I have this whole ass list. Let me tell you, this is not on it. So <laughs> I have it now. And so I'm reading about the squash and I'm like, yeah, you can grow squash in the fall here. It's usually you have enough days to make it to before you get a first frost where I'm at. Girl, how come they're talking about this squash, this thing, the the vines. Okay. First of all, and everything else I grow in my, my house is miniature or dwarf. That's important to know for this story. How come they're talking about this squash gets to be 15 feet long? The That's vine, a lot of vines. 15 That's feet long. Lot. And then... The kicker is they said that the um the fruit itself can get between 18 inches and 24 inches long, which, okay, doesn't sound crazy. 24 inches long sounds, yeah, that's long as hell. Wait a minute, 12. That's aggressive. That's, like, that's, that's like two feet. feet. But then I started Googling yeah. it and looking at pictures of people with this motherfucker, and they're like the size of me. They're like four or five feet tall. The plants are like, what am I going to do with a squash that's like man size? And then they had the nerve to say that this squash gets up to 75 pounds. That is crazy. You're going to have to find like a, like a beautiful squash contest. Like you did for the tomato. I said, I, and I told you to make sure that I don't make these same mistakes again. <laughs> you failed me. Girl, because you'd be telling me after the fact, what am I supposed to do? Do you have a black thumb? Are you wondering what the word horticulture means? Are you a little bit seedy? A little shady? Do you stand in the garden and wonder, what the f am I doing? Do you look at people's yards and wonder, what the f are they doing? If so, this podcast is for you, no matter your gardening experience level. I'm Shannon. And I'm Marcella, two friends who like to laugh and learn our way through life and gardening. Tune in as we interview some awesome people who talk to us about their love for plants, trees, gardens, bugs, and more. Welcome to CD and Shady AF, a sketchy gardening podcast. Today on the podcast, we are doing part two with Mr. Um, Charles. And in the first part, he did talk about some exotic plants and fruits and vegetables that he grows in his garden. Um, so what are we going to be talking about in part two? I just love this episode because he talks about all these really great tropical fruits and how he's been able to kind of take these things from his travels and his wife particularly is from East Asia. And so he's been able to kind of integrate a lot of these tropical fruits and plants and such into his garden. And, and it was just really neat because I am always trying to grow things like this four pound, this, this four foot squash that comes from like Australia or Africa or somewhere in crazy places like my 8D garden. And so I was really, um, it, it was a really good episode. Yeah. And he talks about that, um, that, that fruit that we're going to have pictures up of which is the hand of Buddha or Buddha's hand. 
Yeah, so he talks he talks about the Buddhist hand and we talk about a little bit Star Trek because that's like, you know, my thing. So we talk about how all the strange fruit on Star Trek is usually like a tropical fruit, like a star fruit or a Buddhist hand. So we'll have a picture of a Buddhist hand because it's actually a really neat, um, uh, really neat fruit. And we also talk about the banana plant that I have in my yard that you guys have heard about so much. And so we recorded these a couple months ago. And we, I've since like cut down the banana plant and now he's back. So I'll have to post some uh, updates on the banana tree that you will hear talked about in this episode. Definitely. So it's a, it's a jam packed episode. So sit back and relax and enjoy. So that kind of leads right into our very next question, which is what is a tropical plant? How, how do you classify a, a plant as a tropical? So my personal definition of a tropical plant is any plant I have put in my garage. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> But it, honest answer to your question is a tropical plant typically is one that grows south of the tropic line. Uh, it likes lots of sunshine and high humidity. It does not do well in cold climes and uh, tends to die uh, significantly when brought under 50 or 40 degrees. Okay. So uh, that's one of the reasons why anything south of 9 alpha or north of 9 alpha and really 10 is not prime for citrus or tropicals think like some of your you know you can have some cactus that do okay in the desert and uh, they get cold very the desert gets very cold believe it or not but you'll have other plants like your passion fruit that is a very light skin it's very mushy Mm -hmm. so it actually freezes inside of the stock oh wow okay so at the end of the year that whole thing just looks like a limp noodle (laughs) <laughs> so if you leave it outside you got nothing beautiful thing about passion fruit is it's extremely easy to root mm. um you do have to trellis them basically you take a four by four you put feet on it and you put arms at the top about four feet up and you put one to four plants around the four by four and then you use plant tape basically one to two inch cellophane and you train the dragon fruit to go up until it comes through the box on top and then it will branch back down it's a it's a very unique looking plant looks Hmm. some people really like how it looks other people are like what is that uh, (laughs) you know it's it's funny leaf does look a little bit reptilian it's funny. I think um, the way that I would kind of describe tropical uh, fruits and tropical plants is anything that you would see being used as an alien food on Star Trek. Because it's funny when you're watching Star Trek and you see like, you know, they'll talk about like the alien food, but it'll be like a star fruit or like, you know, yeah. some, something like that's kind of neat or like a jelly melon. I see a lot of those. And so I've tried to grow those in my 8B oh. climate. And and I have a I have a question uh, based on something you said. It is not a listener question. It is a question for me. If you do have a tropical, like a banana, that yep. is in a climate that maybe or you maybe you should have or should not have not, had not grown it, but you did, and it it's winter time. Is it best to cut those all the way back, or can you kind of salvage something like a banana plant and keep it um, over the winter? That's a good question that I would take and get up on the internet and look on YouTube. <laughs> YouTube is a great collaborative tool for gardeners and orchards. Um, But typically on some of those plants myself, uh, I do cut them back and then I will wrap them in burlap or uh, some other kind of covering so that they can't necessarily frost up. Um, 
but you can actually have bananas in 7B and 8, 8, 8, 7B in South. You can do banana. It may not fruit. Uh, you may just get the big, great big leaf. And then you got to look at what is it you're growing. Are you growing the, the Asian mini banana? Are you growing the, the Chiquita banana, which maybe maybe not so much here? Are you, are you doing? Uh, and then uh, people misassociate plantains with bananas. Yes. That's what I was Not thinking. I was thinking of the plantain. Yeah. No, yes, it's, it's different. Yeah. It, it, you know, a plantain typically needs to be baked, right, at least right. in my world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have these dwarf bananas and we're going to see what happens. We're going to do some tests. Um, so we shall uh, come back in a year and, and see if they died or if they lived. You know, because at first, fingerlings. I, I'm sorry. Fingerlings. I think it's a dwarf Cavendish. Okay was what I have. And uh, so I have one of them that made four pups. And so I still have one of the pups. So I have the mom tree and the mom banana tree, then a pup. And so I was really concerned about how am I going to keep this thing alive? And then I'm kind of leaning more towards to see what happens. I have two of them. I think I'm going to like try to cut one back, but one is so big. I, I don't want to cut that one back, but we'll see what happens. So there is more to come on that story. And yeah. so what kind of tropicals, you talked about passion fruit a little bit, Charles, and you talked about dragon fruits. Is there anything else that you like to grow that's a tropical? You mentioned the star fruit, kumquats, which more is more of a citrus, but likes that that hotter environment. Most of your citrus is like the hotter environment. Um, so I've stuck with a lot of citrus type fruits. Um, and then uh, for my wife, some of her vegetables, they like the more humidity. She has one that's called a bitter melon. Yes, it, it it looks very much like a a, a cucumber that's got warts. Yeah, bumpy cucumber, exactly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and it has it, it does have a bitter flavor, but a lot of your Asian soups and stews and pottages use it, and it's a very unique flavor. Um, but those typically grow best when trellised. Uh, they still need a lot of sunshine, um, and people don't realize that cucumbers aren't necessarily the best as ground ground cover. They're usually best wind wind trellised. Yes. Um, so you want something that it can climb and then hang from. Now, uh, if you have a bunch of old pantyhose or something like that, you can help support that uh, when it starts to mature and tie it off to the trellising. So it has a little more support and it's not dangling. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes with my bitter melons. I didn't know when they were ripe. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, it's not ripe yet. It's not ripe yet. And then I come out and there's these bright red, bloody looking seeds all over the ground. <laughs> it, it exploded. Oh. <laughs> it was rotted. <laughs> because now it had rotted. Oh, no. so I had a lot of learning to do with the, the bitter melon. When is it actually ripe? You know, it's uh, cucumbers have always been something that's a little bit difficult for to grow for me, which is supposed to be easy to grow. But I have a kind of a funny cucumber story since you were talking about the netting and the trellis. And so I decided I made this beautiful trellis for these cucumbers, these Asian long cucumbers, the cu uh, China yeah. jade cucumbers. And they grow <laughs> to be pretty long, you get like maybe a right. foot long and they're really skinny. Yes. And so mm -hmm. I made them a beautiful, beautiful net. And they did pretty well in it. But when it was time for the net to come down, I did not have an exit plan. So people, listeners, have an exit plan because I ended up almost in a situation where I was in the net and the net was on me. Oh, and it God. was me oh, in the no. net. And it, was a, it was a hot mess. I had to have my kid come help me out of this cucumber net. So that's a cautionary tale, people. Shannon is constantly being bullied by her garden. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about her. <laughs> 
Side note, I am learning so much about trellises this episode because I always just thought trellis was like an aesthetic thing. Like it was something cute to get from Home Depot where you can hang like your pictures and things. But I'm learning a ton of uses for the trellis in this yeah. episode. The, the trellis is actually an essential tool to your gardening. Yes. Um, and then, of course, if you're growing grapes, uh, you definitely want to have trellises or lines or or canopies that they can grow up. Now you cut yes. them way back during the winter period, but uh, then you got to make sure you're letting them climb. And I grow about four different varieties of grapes, mostly uh, mostly the seedless varieties, but I've got Niagara's and and uh, some of the others, uh, Concords and whatnot. They're just fun to go out in the garden and pinch one off and take and uh, wash it down with a little bottle of water and then just walk around the yard <laughs> popping uh, grapes in your mouth. Uh, go over to the blueberry bushes, grab some of those, and yeah, uh, blueberries is one of my very first fruits. And uh, so, uh, right now on my North Carolina property, I've probably got 10 or 15 mature three to four foot bushes, and I get wow. about a quarter to a half a gallon for every bush every year. Wow, yeah, um, so the yields are pretty high. Mm -hmm. um, you can dry them, you can freeze them, you can use them in, in different things that you might bake and freeze that. You can have it for your, your uh, morning snack on your cereal. You know, it's just, it's nice having that fresh fruit. Is there a specific type of citrus that you feel would be a good beginning citrus for, for somebody who's just starting out? Well, the typical starter for citrus is the Myers lemon. Mm. Primarily because it's easy to acquire. It's not a typical store-bought fruit. You're not going to go to Kroger and buy Myers lemons. Uh, you might buy Eureka lemons or others, but you probably won't buy Myers. Myers tends to be a little higher in the sugar content, so it's a little sweeter. Um, and if Love grown that. correctly, it's actually juicier. Okay. Uh, now, you'll probably have to wait two to three seasons to actually see uh, productivity off of your, your trees, but they also tend to be a, a, more of a dwarfish plant. Mm -hmm. um, I like to trim mine up into a small bush. Some people let them grow from the bottom out. Um, and uh, But the Myers lemon also doesn't tend to be extremely thorny. A lot of your limes and other lemons have lots of thorns. Now, oh, okay. another thing about thorns is oftentimes your thorns are your more organic uh, seed-grown plant as opposed to the ones who are not thorny. They tend to be uh, the, the, the hybrid or grafted plant. My Myers lemons are fun. My wife likes having me go out and get those so that she can put them into her pho soups and whatnot because oh. lots of extra juice. But then you can use the rind and other things. And then uh, I do use some Eureka lemons, calamundines. I have Persian limes, key limes. I really want to buy a finger lime or a mm. Buddha's hand. Yes. There's some really yes. neat fruit. So um, hey, can you kind of describe what a what a uh, what it looks like? It's kind of a neat looking fruit. Yeah, so the Buddha's hand it's it's yellow in color typically, and it looks like these fingerlings. They're growing down, and they're they're long fingerlings, but they have a high citrus aroma and flavor. Hmm. It's a, it's a really neat looking fruit. It feels like I would scream if I saw it at nighttime or something. I would imagine it's somebody's hand or something, but. No, it's, it's it's a really unique fruit. It's, it's very neat looking. We'll, we'll have yeah. to put a photo of it because it's it's pretty neat. Yeah. Hi there. Seed in the Shade here with some interesting facts about citrus. Citrus plants originated in Southeast Asia. Although the exact origins of the citrus trees are unknown, it's believed that they are originated in a specific plot of land bordered by Northeast India 
Myanmar, and the Yunnan province of China. They are actually a type of berry with a tough, leathery rind known as Hesperidium. A single citrus plant can have as many as 60,000 flowers, but only 1% of those flowers will turn into fruit. Citrus fruit grown in tropical temperatures without a proper winter will remain green. Think of limes. In order for them to change color, the temperature must drop. They are also prized for their high vitamin C content, as sailors would bring them on long ocean voyages to prevent scurvy, which is caused by a vitamin C deficiency. Before the introduction of oranges to Europe, there was no word for the color orange. The Old English word gulred literally means yellow-red. So, without oranges, we wouldn't have the color orange. Until next time. So those are some I'd like to experiment with. Next year, I'm going to take and get uh, my first uh, grapefruit and pomelo trees. Oh. So I'm going to go get some Oro Blancos, uh, which have a higher sugar content, um, uh, and some some uh, rubies. And then uh, I'm probably going to get another Satsuma next year. Just because I like having the little one that I can take and put in my lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> so actually here, um, they they do like a tree giveaway uh, once a year. So you can go queue at four o'clock in the morning and, and try to get a free fruit tree. And so one year I went down with my kid and we stood in line for three hours for me to get this pickle. I'm sorry, not pickle. That was his name. To get a, a lime tree. And he was a Persian lime and his name was Mr. Pickles. Okay. And my husband and my kid, I'd say they killed it. So we no longer have <laughs> Mr. Pickles, the lime tree, but Satsumas are R.I.P. R.I.P. I know. <laughs> yes. R.I.P. Mr. Pickles. You were a good lime tree before they killed you. But yes, Satsumas is one that is, is often said that that's a pretty nice one to grow. And can that's, you grow those in containers? You can. And they're very easy. So yeah. it's like the Myers lemon for beginners. Satsumas are, are pretty simple. Um, again, uh, you want multiples have two pollinators so that you you have a better opportunity now if you have like a chumamoya also known as a sour sop sweet sop mm -hmm. or a sugar apple you'll have to hand pollinate those yeah. also a lot of your citrus fruits they may take in bare flowers twice a year mm -hmm. but if it's in the fall and you've got them in your garage you don't have a lot of pollinators in your garage so uh, a little watercolor hand brush and just dab into the pestle and stamen and get it down into a little black cup so you can see it and then dab it back and dab it into the other flowers. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're actually hand pollinating. Now, if you get a lot of fruit on one pinch, pinch back the fruit you don't want and let the energy flow to the fruit that you want to develop. Uh, Cause if you try developing a lot of fruit, all that energy dissipates out to everything. And so you get smallish fruit as opposed to succulent fruit. Charles, this is not bad for somebody who doesn't garden very much. That's the I dabble. <laughs> I like to dabble. I mean, when you when you talk about all of the fruit, and I just, I mean, everything you named, like dragon fruit, sour sap, everything, I am like, I could just go have a, like a buffet. I would just like, <laughs> go to your orchard and just like get everything. Yeah. I want, I want to buy a little still next year, and I want to take and do uh, essential oils, like rosehip oil and uh -huh. other things. I thought you were going to uh, say vodka, but you said essential oils. Well, <laughs> um, I don't have a license for that. So let's not, let's that not do that. <laughs> that is where my mind went when you said still, though. I just but put a, that out but, there. A, but a, double, a double oaked 
whiskey might not be bad. (laughs) (laughs) So would you say your gardening style is more Strawberry Fields Forever by The Beatles, Cherry Pie by Warrant, or Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday? I got a lot of strange fruit. (laughs) (laughs) And who wouldn't want to have the cherry pie? I mean, that just sounds like a whole lot of fun. Yeah. But the truth is, more of it is go day to day, my, my cherry pie. <laughs> it's the stra- strawberry fields forever. It tends to be, you know, you're, you're plodding along. It's a journey mm-hmm. when you're working with fruits and vegetables, especially fruits. It's a journey. So I'd say the strawberry fields forever. Okay. Probably, probably more, more my, my style, but the, the wild cherry pie is a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so we talked a little bit about the Asian vegetables. What kind of things do you and your wife like to grow? Um, You talked a little bit about the uh, bitter melon. Are there any other things that you particularly like to grow? Uh, Well, the bitter melon, the bok choy in the spring and fall. We do a lot of herb gardening. So shallots, garlics, onions, Mm -hmm. chives, lemongrass, leeks. Those all fit real well into Asian food gardening cooking. I put out some, I put out some chives and they are just, I, I don't know what's happening. Nothing, well, nothing is happening with the chives that I put out. So you said chives, I put out some Mizuna greens, which are like uh, greens I used to eat all the time in Japan. Those are quite nice. Bok choy is nice. Mm-hmm. I, Not hard. Um, what's important with those is the right pH balance in your soil. So look at how you need to amend your soil. A good little soil tester is worth its weight in gold. Uh, <laughs> cost 14 bucks for a good little electric one that really tells you how you need to amend and uh, there's lots of different videos out there to to show you different ways to amend your ph up or down yeah i'm gonna try that out and then i will get back with you dear listeners about what's happening with these chives (laughs) and then with your your citrus fruits uh, the coconut core and the 511 mix really gives adequate drainage for for the fruit and nutrient with all this all this knowledge and all this experimenting, I just know that there has to be some fail in there. You have to have had some fail so big. So I want to we want to know what is a gardening fail so big of yours that almost caused you to give up? Imagine having planted your your orchard for four years only to find out that it'd become uh, ridden with disease and the whole thing had to be plugged up and burned. Oh no. So I lost about. 25 trees that I had to tear out and burn and start from scratch all over again. And that was, that was a heartbreaking moment. Uh, It was like, it's harvest season. It's the fourth season. It's the season you're actually supposed to get things because in the second and third, you're pinching them back. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to produce. Mm -hmm. So you're getting them to grow the energy to the trunk, the energy to the roots, pinching back the fruits, waiting for season four. In season four, you've probably got about a, a, a one to two inch trunk at the base. You probably got about uh, four or five feet uh, in most of your, your trees. If you planted them as one-year-olds, you're getting excited because you're going to get maybe a small but but substantial harvest for that season. And then I had to pull it all up, pile it into a big old pile and burn it. Oh, no, that makes Man. me sad. It was, it was sad, but we went back at it. And uh, we ordered all the, the plants again and started anew. Mm-hmm. And I learned a, a lot about dormant oil, horticultural oil, neem oil, 
Okay. Uh, the use of the cayenne and cinnamon. When you're in the Carolinas, uh, you got a lot of ant. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, red ant especially. <laughs> you learn about using uh, borax and sugar. Uh, some people might not like me saying that. But... Uh, <laughs> And uh, you also learn about uh, moving a, a mound on top of a mound and letting ants have a war. So uh, make sure you're you're well protected because those red ants are going to swarm. Oh yeah, got it. That uh, makes but sense. Uh, they will kill each other. If you take and cut off the top of one mound and you drop another mound on top of it, uh, the ants will actually start a war. It's like ant warfare. Yeah. 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 And that's a, that's a way to get rid of some of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't subscribe to the idea of. Uh, Pouring oil or gasoline in the soil and lighting it is an old technique. And I will never admit to the fact that I actually burned the shed of my neighbor down. But I found out about peat veins. So evidently, fire can go underground and it can follow peat vein and come up at uh, an interesting location. Oh, so okay. My three, three days after all the fires were out, all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, my neighbor's shed combusted. Oh, my gosh. Oops. Oh. <laughs> Oh, this, that is, this is a this is a cautionary tale, dear listeners. Do not pour oil and gasoline in your yard. Yeah, and, and, no. and if you if you're trying to grow centipede, a great way to grow centipede is is burn it. Oh. Um, so if you're growing centipede grass and you're using a a, a broad flame, uh, you can do that. But make sure if you do that, you take in make sure that all the flame is out before you walk away that there's no smoke no no smolder yeah because you may find that your neighbor's yard is black the next day oh my goodness no, safety first everyone yeah yes. so, uh, <laughs> my matches have been taken away from me <laughs> yes generally speaking don't turn your back on a fire that's still going definitely <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I, I, made, I made a few mistakes. Yeah. So, so good thing Charles, I was in the volunteer fire department. Oh, okay. There we go then. <laughs> so Charles, so you talked a little bit about your gardening fail that was huge and you lost all of these trees. What is the gardening success that you've had that made you just think, you know, yeah, this is for me. This has been a huge win and made you feel so confident. Well, the, the first the first big success was the flowering trees. You know, when I started seeing the Bradfords and the, the crepe myrtles, uh, I had a few of the magnolias that really took off. So I started having some, some successful flowers and it, 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 that led itself into the blueberries um, and getting to go out in June and July and always have fresh fruit for my cereal was a big, big success for me. Then uh, learning to, to take and grow strawberry pyramids and uh, hanging, hanging baskets with, with uh, strawberries and mix them in with hydrangeas so i'd have strawberry hydrangea strawberry hydrangea always looked really pretty so that was that always gave a really good feeling of success when i started getting into some of the more things like the 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 dragon fruit seeing how easy it was actually to root it mm -hmm. you know you, you you cut it off at the at the the, the branch uh, you let it dry out just a little bit and then you take and and put it in water for about a week to get a few rootings and then just tuck it down into the soil. And next thing you know, three months later, it's a foot or two feet taller. And by the end of the summer, it's climbing up that uh, trellis that you built. And the next season, you're actually pulling fruit off of it. Uh, those have been some great successes, a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. 
and it, it makes it worth worth the journey. You're not going to get the yields that you expect. Yes. <laughs> you're still going to go to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love that management of expectations. Yeah, yes. You, you got to know what to expect. <laughs> um, and then you got to figure out once I get my harvest, what do I do with it and how long do I have? Right. Because if you're not there for your harvest, you just made a lot of friends out of the deer, the birds, and the bees. Mm. Uh, because they're getting all of the, the droppings and <laughs> yes yeah uh, but uh yeah so my wife likes persimmons so we do fujiyamas and others uh, both american and oriental asian persimmons and uh, that's a great way to get deer to come onto your property by the way <laughs> they like them too so the deer yeah. like the persimmon deer like persimmons I know one one year I grew strawberries, which was probably the only the only year that I actually grew strawberries and they like I had real strawberries, not just like a green. And my kids left my gate open. And so I had all these strawberries and the next day came out and the deer had like stripped. I mean, they stripped the whole plant. So they oh, yeah. must like strawberries a lot as well. <laughs> you got robbed by deer, friend. I did. It was I'm very sorry sad. To hear so that. now every now every time I see them, I give them the side eye. Oh, <laughs> Buy a good bow. Make sure you get your uh, uh, your deer tag. And, uh, you can fill your uh, fill your freezer with venison for the year. <laughs> that's, there you go. That's, that is an option. That is. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, what's a misconception about gardening that you want to dispel here today? You've given us a ton of great feedback to start. So what what's a, what's a misconception about gardening that you want to dispel? It's hard. Gardening isn't hard. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're not going to have the results you want every single time, mm -hmm. but it's something you can do incrementally, mm -hmm. but you do it every day, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, when I get up, I go into the garden and I might spend 15, 20 minutes with a hoe. Mm -hmm. um, I might uh, take and tie up a limb or, or, or a branch or a fruit. I might hand pollinate something, uh, but then I go inside, I grab a cup of coffee and I come back out in the garden. And I just look at it. Mm. So it can have a real calming effect, mm -hmm. but if you never start, you'll never get there. Uh, it's, it's not hard. It's so easy to get up on the internet. Now. Uh, I remember uh, growing up, I had the Obden series of books for birds and fruits and vegetables and other things. Uh, but you had to go to the library to learn everything. Now it's mm -hmm. all right in front of you. You got so many garden centers and there's so many knowledgeable people out there. There's lots of people to help. And you also have your local collectives. So you can go down and ask them about soil pH and nutrients and uh, where, where can I get uh, proper fertilizers for certain kinds of plants? Uh, what grows well in your area as opposed to, oh, I, I saw this online and I really wanted to grow it. So I put it in the ground and it didn't grow. Well, uh, no kidding. It's you got the wrong soil, the wrong, the wrong sun, the wrong uh, shade. The, there's so many things you can do wrong because you didn't do your initial research, but the research isn't hard. And typically what is in your local gardening center are usually your local plants. So most of them should grow. Now, some of them will be potted plants like your Myers lemon, and you'll have to bring it in. Nice thing about some of your, your smaller bushy, bushy plants like the Myers lemon is you can make the dwarf tree and you can bring it in and enjoy it during the wintertime. No, make, make sure that you spray it down well with, with uh, the neem oil before you do that and get it clear of bugs and whatnot, because you don't want those in your house. Right. 
White fly is another one you really want to watch out for. You don't want that in your house. Yeah. But, that's, what always, uh, that's what always kind of makes me hesitant to bring things inside is because I'm like, I'm going to be bringing all the bugs inside. Well, spray them down with, with uh, oil and also with air. Uh, you'll get most of them. Look, look for uh, your leaves and uh, where you have any kind of disease or insect eggs on the plant. Make sure you remove those. Mm -hmm. but you should be fine. And what I like to do is I use a gardening pot when it's outdoors and I bring it in and I use a nice designer pot indoors and then make sure you have a saucer underneath it and that you have a typically a Southern facing window and you can rotate the plant so that it gets lots of good daylight. Okay. That's one way that you get to enjoy your plants all year long. Oh, thank yeah. you. Those are really good tips. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's one more burning question that we really have, um, as we learn more about, um, gardening from you. And that is what would be on your gardening soundtrack? And what does that well, say about hallelujah you? Chorus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because when it actually works, it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm always grateful when a plant makes it to full maturity and we actually get some, some fruits, some nuts or some sort of, uh, end result that we can put on our table. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You know, everything that I've learned here today, I'm so happy that you're on the podcast today because like, I feel like I'm imagining that you have this bountiful garden. It's just like amazing. I had pictured this amazing gardening and garden and yeah, I'm just so happy uh, to hear kind of all the great things that you have that you and your wife have out in, in your orchard it just sounds amazing and a lot of the things you said makes people like me think that you know I could probably do something like this and so you know it doesn't seem as hard now you know mm -hmm. after listening to you kind of talk about it and then you have such a wealth of knowledge and all the things mm -hmm. that you experiment with it's really wonderful so thank you very much for being with us today well thank you for having me this has been the seedy and shady af podcast thanks to all the peas in our pod for listening we believe in you and we believe in your plants. Follow us for more shenanigans on Instagram at Seedy and Shady Pod. Until next time, stay seedy, stay shady. And remember, sketchy gardening is still gardening. <laughs>